0: The first thing that I do in the morning when I come into office is I make one script. I don't read emails. I don't do anything like fresh mind. Just go go into scripts.
1: The Performance Marketing Podcast is sponsored by the Foxwell Founders Membership. If you want to be great at paid social, the Foxwell Founders Membership is perfect. It's a community of the best paid social marketers and agency owners. Ask any question and hundreds of elite marketers can work with you on it. This isn't a Facebook group with fake ROAS screenshots. These people are paid a lot of money for their advice, and the Foxwell Founders membership, you get full access to them 24-7. So go to foxwelldigital.com and sign up today. All right. Sweet. All right. Hey, welcome to the Performance Marketing Podcast. I'm Eric Philippou. I'm here with Akash Joshi. Soon joining us, Andrew Soria. And we have a special guest today, Anza Markovic. What's up, Anza? What's up, guys? up, guys? All right. So today's episode, we're going to be talking a lot about just uh, paid social creative and performance marketing creative. And Anza, I'll give him a little, just a quick background about how we know him. We worked at Voy Media together for a long time. Uh, me, Akash, and Anza, and Andrew. So, really, we go way back. And Anza was very special at Void Media in that he was one of the first people, and honestly, all paid social, at least in our silo, that was preaching how creative is the most important thing and um, everything should be creative first approach. should prioritize creative and then the results showed and yeah it was very very special so Anza I don't want to speak for him but he's very focused on ad creative so Anza tell us a little bit about uh what you do now what you're working on these days and your history
0: yeah so um yeah like like I said I was at Void for a couple of years um then uh I was um doing my own stuff uh, mostly freelancing, especially on the creative side. Uh, in between, I worked for another agency. I was a creative strategist there. I built. They didn't have like a creative strategy department. They had like a very good content production team and media buying team, but they didn't have like that bridge in between, that creative strategy. Um, and I built that uh, department there. Um, so we were managing around 33 clients, um, not small ones um so uh, it was like um, creative analysis script writing giving direction to content production team not only like just scripts or editing part but also like what kind of visuals we need uh, at least from the idea perspective and then also um, from the editing perspective now um for the last six months seven months I, i'm on my own i always had a couple of clients on the site and at that point I had just too many of them. Um, So I had to make a decision. Um, So I went on my own and since then, I kind of have my own small team of, my wife is a videographer, so you you can see a mess behind me. Um, (sighs) There's like a small studio for uh, studio product shots. Then we have, of course, most of the stuff is lifestyle when we record on, in the bathroom or in, in living room, we hire models and Airbnbs um, to shoot that content. Uh, and at the same time, like in the last two years, actually, I built like a pool of content creators. Those guys are from US and basically uh, they, they do UGC for me. And I also give them, when I give them strict script instructions, my, my instructions are a little bit more detailed. I give them, like, camera angle suggestions, what kind of hooks they need to make. They always give me raw assets. Everything is, like, more than just 20-second video testimonial. Um, mm-hmm. So I can have, like, a lot of stuff with uh, editing. And, yeah, that's basically it for now.
2: I've nice. uh, nice. got some follow-up questions. So, and this might be the source, right? Like, what do you do to hire... Like influencers like abroad, is it? Or, or and with that as well, do you do you hire native to the country? So if you're working with a US brand, do you hire US influencers? But if you're working with someone in, you know, UK or a different country, do you hire you people native to that country with the you know the same accent, the same tone, the same the the, the same sort of vibe? Like what does that look yeah, like?
0: Uh, uh, I mean. I mostly work with US clients anyway. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple of Australian ones, and uh, I still use US creators. Um, and I mean, it's the same approach from you for UK, so it's not a big deal there. Uh, but in terms of like, yeah, Germany or French, um, yeah, you need you need to find native guys. Um, I don't work on those markets yet, but. Yeah. Um, it's coming close actually, so, but I have some connections here in Europe where I have people that advertise in Europe only, and they have those pools of creators specific per country. So that's definitely coming uh, for me too. Um, but yeah, uh, regarding the, the English language, I think it's, it's not a, that a big of a deal if like US creator is advertising in, in, US, in UK.
2: How, how do you usually reach out? Is it through, like, Instagram DM or is it, like, you know, the right fit? I think below, like, uh, do you use yeah, any other? Well,
0: yeah, one thing is that, like, I have a pool of around at least 40 or 50 creators already. So, because yeah. I, I spend a lot of time, especially last year in and in, in the last three months, building that so I have, like, younger younger demographic. Like, I have, like, people over 50, so it's, uh, it's very good because uh, I have very, very broad net um, of those creators. But how I found them is mostly like, sometimes you can go on Facebook ads library of some good brand. You check them out and you see, okay, I like this creator. You go on their social, you go on their TikTok. And maybe in captions, you, you notice who those guys are. Um, okay you can reach out to them so that's how that's like one one trick to how you can find them it's very time consuming so it's getting better now that i have like a big list but i'm always building i, I want to go to a number of hundreds uh, at least by the end of the year
2: yeah yeah we're seeing like a lot of people obviously move into that you know creative space making a really big push for like ugc stuff like that but yeah no that's that's really good insight
0: i think and also ugc is evolving too like it needs to be it needs to be very well very well scripted like um in terms of what they need to say like not how they need to say because you want to feel it natural but uh, what they say it's very important because like those guys they don't know what's the most common objective to buy certain product we know that because we are marketers right So it's our job to give them that direction or what's the better alternative to, I don't know, this natural shampoo. It's chemical shampoo, right? And you educate them why this chemical shampoo is basically the same shampoo that you put on your car. And people don't know that. So if you can build a story around that, then all of a sudden uh, it's like a you can convince those who think that like a normal shampoo, it's it's enough for them. So that education and that direction to creators is important because those guys don't know that. Most of them.
1: Do you, give, do you give them a script that you say, read this exact script or you give them like required things you have to mention?
0: I actually, what I do is I actually build a story of my own, um, but I tell them, you don't need to say an exact words. Um, so um, sometimes I give them bullet points so I can see how creative they are, um, especially for those guys who are working with me more. The, those guys know what I want already. Um, but yeah, I, I, want, I want and I also want like what they need to say in the beginning of the video, in the middle and on the end. So the, the sequence is also very important, not just what they need to say.
1: That's pretty cool. And then do you value, how many followers they have or how easy they are to work with no
0: no uh i don't care about followers because that's for pay ads anyway yeah. uh yeah. i don't does, i doesn't care i don't care uh but um regarding how easy they are work for that's definitely uh important like yeah. i mean some of my guys when i send them script and they have the product i get content like the next day like yeah incredible. that's really like, good they're, they're so quick um, yeah. but two or three days is like on average and that's still very very good and I mean the hard work was actually done before I send them the screen because I already know what the video will look like when they send me content I just forward everything and make like a five to ten minute loom recording to my editor and two days later the creatives are done so the hard work is basically done when you have nothing, like in
1: in my head basically. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense like, I think people talked a few weeks ago, UGC is a bubble or something like UGC doesn't work for them or people, it's just iPhone videos or selfie videos shot. Like what matters is the script itself. Like when you get very in the weeds testing so many different script variants, you see the impact of just the, the first line, the hook. Or like what a big variance, every little detail in a script can have. So to say a blanket statement, like UGC doesn't work, or UGC is always good. um, That is something that I think a lot of people misunderstand about UGC or just advertising in general. So or image text, images with text on them don't work. Like that's or like any kind of blanket statement with creative, it depends on the advertiser and the actual content itself. So
0: definitely
1: that's yeah. good. nice so what's something that people you think misunderstand a lot about creative or UGC or script writing in general
0: yeah i would think that exactly the last thing that we talk about like direct response script writing i mean mm-hmm. it's um, that's always a, a money maker for every brand like even with emails even with landing pages like copywriting is number one even when we were like in radio ads or tv ads like the scripts were what what happens you know it's it's like and it's the same here it's just different platform it's different creative style but i mean you can you can have like a video that it's like a voiceover nice visuals and if it's a very well scripted it's gonna work right and but one thing is that why in my opinion ugc works so well is because most of the time i mean not most of the time but it should be most of the time it's not like it doesn't look like an app um and Mm -hmm. you basically need to build a story about certain situation or certain problem or whatever and then you slowly or you kind of sneak in that direct response element and sometimes when we try that, it's usually like the first three to five seconds. It's very native style. Like for example, right now I was I'm working on one brand that it's for dog supplements, and I actually bought a 360 camera. That it's for me is that I, I bought it just for hooks because it has such a unique visual. And you know, and now when we recorded, we actually recorded a dog walking around or uh, running around and that camera is recording. So the visual is very interesting, but it looks like that someone posted it on social. Like it doesn't yeah. have like any animation, nothing. That's why like text animation, in my opinion, doesn't work. You just need to put like those blocks of text that are very native. Of course, text in there is copyrighted, is direct response copyright, but visually it looks so native that it kind
1: of tricks
2: people that it's not an ad. Wow, that's that's a really interesting uh, angle. That's super interesting, nice.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. And the whole part about not looking like an ad, that's an interesting part. Do you you find that, especially with TikTok nowadays, it's more of an entertainment platform like YouTube (sighs) than a social media? So in your hooks, do you find that starting as if it's an entertainment piece or like budget hack number three? And like you start uh, with like a TikTok hook, Do you find that's more effective these days?
0: Well, I, I still prefer, um, one hook that really works for TikTok is curiosity hook. Like like you do something visually and uh, the angle, the, the copy is, let's say she's afraid Will she do it? And <laughs> you are curious, like, do what? And you are watching, you know? And, like, yeah. that hook, that hook was, like, 70% stops for ratio on TikTok. Nice. It's,
3: it nice. It was
0: incredible. And nice. um, so curiosity hook is very important. Um, educational hook, it's very important. Like, if you can tell, like like, for example, when I mentioned that shampoo, if you can educate people that you are actually putting on your hair, the same shampoo that guys are putting on their car, you will start thinking, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, so sometimes hooks can be very visual, just some random stuff like throw your product in the water and you have a splash and that's it. It makes no sense, but sometimes that's enough, you know? Um, So... Yeah, um, definitely. Entertainment, education, and curiosity are like those top three angles. Of course, and benefit-driven and problem problem-focused. Those are like let's say five five uh, angles.
2: What what what's the like highest impact variable when you test the creative? Is it is it the hook or is it the the actual content itself? Like the formats, the you know what 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 would you say is uh, the highest impact in your opinion?
0: I mean, it's very hard to say because like in one brand, we actually have like very good hooks. Like hooks are 40%, 50% most of the time. But the best hook for them is actually around 30%, which is the actual product in use and the main feature and benefit in two seconds. So you you know, so from the content perspective it's a very benefit driven hook, but from the numerical perspective, like percentage is like very low. And, um, I mean, 30% is solid, but it's, it's low for this account. So, um, and to find the biggest variable, I think that both are very important. Um, so what I do in creative analysis, I analyze the, of course hooks, and I also analyze script structure. So that means what happens after the hook? Is it usually product introduction, but how is it presented? Is it presented just someone showing the product or is it like a three second unbox? Or Or you have like, right now I'm seeing a lot of, a lot of very good hooks, uh, not hooks, like um, product introduction when you actually show the packaging, and then you shake the packaging. And like in the middle of the shaking, it's a transition when you have the product already in your hands. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of an unboxing, but it's it's quick cut style. And unboxing is its hook by itself, right? People are curious what's in there. So we have hook after the hook. Um, But to explain um, how I analyze script structure is basically, I put like a bullet point how the flow goes. Like, let's say you have a hook, product introduction, benefit one, depositioning, benefit two, social proof call to action. Yeah. Then the next one can be some different sequence or different elements. You have like, I don't know what you can say, you have depositioning that can be explaining depositioning or educating or comparison. So you have various styles how you can deposition the competitor. And you can also deposition the competitor, direct competitor or just other alternative that it's not really direct. So uh, like for some treatments, you can have direct competitor or you can have some home remedy that it's like, let's say you have that, you know that a massage still, uh like ball when you massage your muscles when they are sore but you can actually use ice cubes at home but those are messy and it's not convenient so it's kind of it's not direct competitor but it's like market competitor so it's Mm -hmm. like you can go so deep in creatives like every single segment can have like a sub segments so yeah so, you see, so okay. what, what do your column setup look like
2: when you're analyzing creative now? Is it like, you know, you have your attention rate, then it's like 20%, 50%, 75% of the video, and then you, like, analyze where people are dropping off? Like, how, how like, what's your... Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I don't go that deep. Like, I'm more like, I look at hook ratio, I look average watch time, which is very correlated to hook ratio and the length of the video. So it's not always the best indicator, but usually is hook ratio, um, one day click ROAS or CPA, it really depends what they are looking for and CTR. Those are like my main metrics. And then if I see like very good hook ratio, and then on the other hand, I have like very low CTR, I can see, okay, the hook was very good, but it was was kind of a click-baity hook. Yeah. So um, that means it's maybe not the best. So I compare all those elements. Like if I give you one example, I had two ads that are both or them were profitable and working really well. One of them was mashup that had like hook ratio was very similar to both of them. One of them had um, very good um, um, ROAS and CTR was around 1%. The other one has a little bit lower robust and CTR was 1.3%. And then I was analyzing why this one is so much better engaging, but the performance is worse, and why is the other one around? And I noticed that <clears throat> the one that had a very good CTR was actually a mashup, a lot of reactions, very dynamic, very fun. So it was engaging, entertaining, you know, it was fun. But it didn't have so many direct response elements the other one had some uh, comparison element and also objection and that was the only difference so what i did in the next round i made mashups that had those two elements in it and all of a sudden it was performing so much better so (laughs) you see how you can analyze creatives not just from the angle perspective or hook perspective but also from the script structure perspective um,
1: nice. That's a really good example. I appreciate you explaining that. And yeah, that'd be great for anyone just like trying to get into more video writing, script writing with listeners at home. Uh, yeah, that's really, really good stuff. So that being said, like, maybe we go through like how your daily workflow looks when, or, or just like your workflow in general. What is it like when you have to start writing a script? What do you start to think about? What kind of research you do? That kind of stuff. You had a couple of Twitter threads on it, but for the people who haven't followed you on Twitter, what's a? how would you explain that? Um,
0: well, usually, I mean, it really depends what kind of day is in front of me, but let's say if I focus on script writing, it's uh, the first thing that I do in the morning when I come into office is I make one script. I don't read emails, I don't do anything like fresh mind, just go go into scripts. The first thing that I do in the morning when I come into office is I make one script. I don't read emails, I don't do anything like fresh mind, just go go into scripts. Now, usually um, I already prepare my creative strategy for for that month. So I already know, okay, today, I have a script for this brand it's about ingredients let's talk about education let's talk about um various things whatever and then i have a like a google sheet and google sheet has three columns and one column is text or actually it's a voiceover or someone talking to the camera it's a text animation and visual because sometimes text animation is not full subtitles what the voiceover is saying. Sometimes it's just like a condensed version of what, of what they are saying, because people don't read, they scan. So you, want, you need to make easy for that. Um, <clears throat> then, then I put like bullet points, what I want in there. So let's assume I have the voiceover, <clears throat> or if I make mashups, I put together like five, mash, five UGCs, I put everything in text, and then I pick like the best sentences and I, I put those sentences in in uh, like a sequence that makes sense. And, mm-hmm. then, and then I support that text with visuals. So then I have voiceover visuals and then in the end I make the middle column which is text animation.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice. That's really cool. And I could see how like when you say the copywriting, the script writing is the most important, I can see how it's reflected in the actual process. That's very good. A lot of times, like the actual workflow people do, they know what their priorities are in terms of highest impact on the actual results, but their processes are, oh, let me spend four hours on emails and calls and stuff. And then maybe I'll spend some time on like, like the copy and the emotions and that kind of stuff. So it's really cool that you prioritize that. That's kind of a good lesson for people listening who maybe they're very junior and they have a lot of paralysis by analysis and they wake up and they have an agency job and they're bombarded with emails, knocking out the most highest impact thing first is yeah. a great strategy. And Anza is a very senior veteran media buyer, and performance marketer. So you can learn a lot from that skill alone. That's really, yeah, really cool. That was actually
0: one of my biggest improvement in this year. Like, start with the hardest task in the morning. Yeah. Or in script writing is creativity. Your mind is relaxed, is fresh. You don't see any bad emails coming in yet. No. you haven't opened it. So... Yeah. You just go to work because like one email can really ruin your day sometimes. Um, so yeah, um, that's like one one or two scripts like before everything else.
2: I got I got a question right. So I think one of the biggest problems with a lot of agencies at the moment is like brands that can't you know afford. Uh, like afford to do the like content and the production uh, of the side of it they they might have like product images and stuff like that like really really limited in terms of content like how much would you recommend or how much do you usually see a brand allocate to you know get get getting just new content and focusing on new content instead of, like, direct ROI from, from Facebooks with their, with their current content, that's just not working? Like, is it, you know, 10% of revenue? Is it 10% of ad spend? Like, what, what do you usually recommend to someone?
0: I mean, it's it's, it's so hard to say because to say you don't know on, on which level they are. Yeah. Because, I mean, right now I'm working with some brands that are spending, like, really a lot, like, 50K a day and that kind of stuff. And they're, like, they are working with several creative agencies they have in-house creative team they they hire us as freelancers uh like for additional brain and they have like a different type of creatives and um it's very hard to say but when you are let's say in the beginning the first thing that you need to do is content like if if you are like um very low on budget then you need to do it on your own which is actually good because you learn so much about content. And then when you hire professionals, you know how to monitor them if they are actually doing a good job because you already learned. It's the same with media buying and stuff. Those guys who actually did some media buying, they tried it a little bit. Those guys are the best clients because they know how it works. They know the communication. But I know that some of the guys are just brand owners. It's it's hard for them. So they need to get people that they can trust. Um, but yeah, content is so important. Uh, like it's, it's very hard to say how much you can spend on content because imagine that you spend 5K, 10K on content and you find in there a couple of winners that content will give you so much back. Like you can go to 100K so quickly. And mm-hmm. that that investment was very, very little compared to what you got back but if you if you have like if you hire someone and they don't do a good job at least you know what it doesn't work like we already tried that it doesn't mm-hmm. work or maybe you can hire some consultant that they they look at your creatives and they say look yeah you tried UGC but it's not the issue that UGC doesn't work it's just UGC is bad you know
1: yeah. Yeah. And that's something very important. It's like, and I've seen this too, when you see a brand that, especially early on they whether it's a client or a brand you work at or whatever. Um, they will try something in the past, like very early on, the first test of it will fail, whether it's a whole platform or a creative style mm-hmm. or an entire marketing angle, whatever. And they'll say, okay, this, this, isn't for us. Let's never try it again. And, you know, I've seen that with brands that were a few years old and they tried something um, you, you like Facebook ads for example. they tried Facebook ads in 2019 and it didn't work because they just didn't know what they were doing. And then in 2022, they're like, Oh, we're still, we still don't think Facebook ads works. Um, that's not a channel that works for when you see what they tried and it was, you know, it was just like an image with some, like a stock image with some text on it, a yeah. product name. It's like, it like not even trying. So um, that's a very extreme example, but that's a mindset uh, for the listeners where if you're in an agency or you have a client who is against trying something because they did it once and it failed, they have to know like, they're, like the first failure is fine. You, you're only as good as your analysis and your testing process. So if you have a testing process where you just give up on the first try, that's bad. But like you said, with the analysis, you do a lot of analysis. If the analysis is good, you learn from it. You stop doing what you think didn't work and you do more of what you think was good. um, To put it very simply, that is very That's very important. It's important to budget for long-term testing. So that's just something I would tell, uh, people listening in general. Yep. All right, cool. Um, so I have a couple other topics here. Um, so you talked a lot about that. Uh, let's talk about, uh, so what platforms are you on? You're just doing Facebook ads or do you do TikTok, YouTube, Snapchat,
0: all that. So I'm doing everything. Um, like, YouTube not so much, but more and more. So, mm-hmm. um, it's it's still very similar approach, just a little a little bit different. Uh, but yeah, mostly Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. That's that's most most of it.
1: All right, nice. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. So, like we talked about with TikTok, something I find when I did a lot of creative testing between TikTok and Facebook is the things that worked well on TikTok or the TikTok style content does just as well on Facebook and Instagram, Refining that too?
0: Yeah, the same. Like, and then, I mean, a couple of creatives that were a little bit more polished for Facebook also worked on TikTok, but not Mm. a lot. Like there's not many those situations, but yeah, um, exactly the same.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's something where I feel like all social media platforms are adopting the TikTok style. When YouTube has shorts, um, Facebook has reels and all this stuff, everyone's trying to copy TikTok. And the content style is the same. So it's safe to assume or think that this TikTok style content is the future of social media content in general. Very UGC, iPhone native looking tiktok style content that would work well on facebook instagram and probably youtube as well um so that's something i would tell
0: advertisers yeah it's it's but it's still it it still comes back to storytelling um (laughs) like what we what we see on tiktok is like great stories uh, like that spark curiosity in the beginning and then transition to a product or whatever so it's a I would say storytelling with this direct response elements.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really good. And actually what you mentioned, you know, this kind of stuff, the storytelling worked in TV ads and radio there, there's like an ad, Claude Hopkins, who the father of direct response advertising for Van Camp's milk. It's like over a hundred years old and they're using like copywriting processes. Like you said, the depositioning, the benefits, versus the hooks and the features. Um, When you look at that Van Camp's Milk sales letter from over a hundred years ago, they have all these copywriting elements that a lot of your favorite gurus are claiming to have invented in 2022. Um, So I think it's very cool. Um, it, It just goes to, if you're an advertiser, like what you should be focusing on, if you look at very pure direct response principles and you look up the history of direct response advertising and the famous ads from Claude Hopkins and David Ogilvy and Eugene Schwartz, you can learn a lot more than uh, if you just kind of look at marketing Twitter. And that's something that Definitely. I imagine impacts ad creator a lot. And that's actually something Anza was one of the first people I heard of talk about that. I was like, Oh, what are some good courses? Who are some good gurus to follow? And he's like, uh, breakthrough advertising, common sense, and like actual testing. So, very, very exciting stuff um, for the listeners at home to take away. Um, Another topic, actually, I want to talk about. First of all, what's up, Andrew Soria? Uh, Andrew is back
3: on. Gentlemen, good to see you. Anze. Hey, Andrew. Been a while. Yeah, sorry, guys. Had a graduation.
2: Let Let look sure at that. this reunion. Jesus.
1: Yo,
3: the, <laughs> the first week of Void all over again. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's really, really good stuff. So, Andrew, I saw, I, I think I linked to you, the document, just the stuff, some of the talking points today. We talked about, you know, some of the processes, Onda does, the workflow, um, how direct response and storytelling is the core of everything. Um, do you have any specific talking points maybe for Anza at this time or kind of chime in as the conversation goes on?
3: Ah, yeah. um, let's see. I don't want to, re- definitely don't want to repeat anything like Anze says, uh, for those that are listening, I feel like some of us, most of us, have probably learned a lot of, from Anze when we first started our career, especially me. Um, so I definitely don't want to repeat anything that he's already said already, but I think like. Maybe just a word of advice for like um just getting your creative process in general um I think something that I've learned working at uh, this newer company with just a lot ton more people, maybe like fifty people in one account, right It's like a little bit step out of a, um where my roots are um I think you know if if we had if I had a piece of advice, it'd be like just just cross channel collaboration, really just you know once your accounts get bigger, I feel like there's other teams, for example, there's conversion teams and then there's content teams, like there's teams that are so specific to a certain thing. Whereas I feel like, you know, where I, at least I started, we were doing a little bit of everything. So, you know, if you do have that ability to like talk to a conversion team to talk about right, what creative uh, from the website perspective is really converting the most, um, especially because there's 20 people versus let's say you and another creative. Um, really just trying to pull insights from other departments Um, because I feel like us as creatives, I feel feel like our job is to try to get every business problem and try to have our own creative solution to it. Um, I know if I can reference one company real quick, I've been like a big fan of Oatly. Oatly is the milk company and the way their company is set up is like their creatives are literally at the center of the company and they talk to sales and they talk to you know, conversion teams they talk to like literally every department possible whereas usually creatives we get a brief and then we kind of convert this into like this massive campaign so yeah. you know definitely dr principles anze is the father second father of it and then really just trying to piece that all together is really like uh yeah. really our jobs as you know not yeah. as creative as well but just everybody
2: just going yeah. on what Andy, uh, andrew said anze like what what is your like obviously we know you you went from like media buyer to creative i'd say like and like being very analytical to being you know more creative like what would you recommend to someone starting out in you know marketing in general would you recommend them go creative first or get that you know media buying background and then go creative like you know what, what would you recommend
0: if they are starting starting from scratch i would i would suggest that they would go into creative route just because um, the platforms change, but creative doesn't like. Like I said, we had radio, newspaper, TV, now we have internet. So the platforms change, but it's always, you had to be creative and you always had to learn how to solve people's problems or how your product solves people's problems. So if you know, that's like basically being a marketer, right? And then to learn media buying right now, like in the last year, it's much harder than before, in my opinion, because now you need to have all those Nordbeam platforms, triple wire and so on. Yeah. And you need to learn how to like, now you need three platforms to actually see what's going on. Um, it's, it it, it takes so much time. And of course you need to have everything on point to even look at the correct data. Um, so it's pretty hard, um, but if you don't know how to uh, work on creatives, it's it's gonna be impossible because if you don't have good creatives, you can look at every platform possible, and you you're not gonna win. Uh, and right now I'm working like I'm I'm basically almost completely removed from me, my media buying, so I don't have any clients yet anymore uh, on the media buying side. You so miss it? I, No, not, <laughs> at <all. laughs> not at all, not at all. But I still like, I, I look at the ad account because I look at the creative performance, but now I work with a couple of very good media buyers who are very good marketers. So they, let's say, for example, I had um, a discussion with one media buyer last week and he told me, look, this creative is working really well. Can you make some iterations? And I looked at it, I got the ideas and I told him, okay, I have some ideas. Can you share your ideas? And you, he gave me like a couple of bullet points. That's it. Like we, we, were, we were discussing through email. It doesn't, it doesn't need to take like a half an hour meeting. Uh, he just throw a couple of bullet points and like four of those bullet points were the same as mine. And then I had a couple of additional stuff and he had one thing that I, I didn't uh, came up with. So it's basically then if a media buyer is good on the creative side, it helps me too. And then like it's kind of a brainstorming, but uh, it, it really helps.
2: Yeah, nice. um, 100%. I think, especially in this market, I think having both, both is like an asset. If you can have media buying skills and creative, it's like an absolute like then you're starting to become a, a a well-rounded master in my opinion i think you know for especially for display you know having that media buying skills uh, and then creative as well it's just an absolute bonus in this marketplace usually people are like at a stretch people have one but if you have two which we kind of learn off just because there's such a we had to wear multiple hats at, you know the, the previous agencies are. So it worked out. So you know, it was uh, really, really interesting um, to to have that experience and have more than one skill set, which I think is is really good for
0: sure. Um, yeah, definitely. Because I mean, it's uh, when when a media buyer shows some creative ideas, it's usually very like high level. They don't go yeah. deep into every single second. Then it's the creative part to go into pacing and every single second and what kind of transitions you will have, what kind of visuals are going to support that story and so on and so on. Um, otherwise, if you have to do everything, it's it's very time-consuming. I mean.
2: how, how, how do you usually look for, like, you know, how, like you, when you're testing? So, so, so when we test, we look at, like, you know, conversion volume on the account, how many purchases they get in a day, but then how do you translate that to, how much content you're creating for the brand? Like, for for example, that that person that's you know spending fifty k a day, they're going to be completely different in terms of content. They could they could have content almost every other day, right? That you that you're creating. Like, how do you find the balance between creating enough content and then also testing enough on the on the platform
0: and getting the data back really quickly? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not my my job anymore to to say how much content we need i basically when i work with clients we agree to certain packages and then i just deliver uh, i don't know three videos per week six videos per week i don't know it really depends what what are their needs and basically and then in with if we see that it's working well usually we are scaling they just want a more volume uh and then they are expanding to TikTok and so on um so it's really hard to say, but you just need to be careful not to over test the ad account or under test the ad account. Because if you are under testing, then you are just playing safe, but that safe can be saved just for one month. Uh, and then all of a sudden something's not working and you start testing and it, you, it probably won't work immediately. Uh, but, it, but some guys are over testing, then you see like 50% of the budget goes into testing. It can go in the beginning of the of the testing phase because you need to get some results, right? But once you find that winning creatives, you need to play around between iterations of that winners and also new concepts that spend like 10 or 15% of the actual budget.
2: Yeah. What so when you iterate on a creative, what's your what's your process? Is it the just the you know breakdown of the A metrics and then finding like you know if something has a low CTR, you switch it out with another creative that has a high CTR? Uh, like what what is that? Is it like Lego blocks where you just you know find the right ones that fit?
0: Yeah, it's it's everything basically. So uh, the way that I look is if I wanna iterate is like the first step is look at the winners and see what's the content in, them. what's the hook ratio for those winners. So let's say you have a winner and um, that, um, the hook ratio is not the best, but it's still performing. The first thing that you're gonna do, you're gonna try to improve the hook. Then you can maybe shorten the video and remove some of the, let's say unnecessary parts. Um, then third one can be the same storyboard, different visuals then it can be um after the hook you can add different elements um so again drag and drop style uh, you can play around a lot uh but then you look at the non-performance and the first thing you do you look at the hooks because maybe you have a non-performer and the hook is below 20 percent, and it's like okay this creative didn't even have a fair chance like yeah. let's make new hooks let's try to get to 30 40 and then we see if it's a good video or angle but sometimes, yeah, sometimes the hook is, is bad because the angle is bad. Because hook is usually an angle. So it really depends. Um, I don't have like a structure. This is step number one, step number two. But those are like the first steps that I mentioned. But there is, of course, it's, it's so much more um, to go deeper into that.
1: Nice. And, you know, in the Foxwell group, shout out to the Foxwell Founders Club, sponsored podcast. Um, I asked, you know, what is everyone's daily copywriting practices or something, and you responded, you know, you write a script every day, which you went over. Um, Another thing you mentioned, though, is you look at ads every day. Uh, It's something I know a lot of people like to do with ad libraries. I keep a bookmark of a few different ad libraries, Dr. Squatch, um, Shirley, shout out, old podcast episode. Um, What is something that you look for or you're paying attention to when you're looking at ads in your feed in an ad library and a swipe file what are you paying attention to
0: yeah um let me see i look at what kind of creative style they have um i looked also like what kind of lengths they are playing because sometimes they are like very similar so you kind (laughs) of uh, you kind of see what's the golden rule because like some of the brands they need a little bit of education so they go a little bit longer for some of the yeah. brands are very simple, like 15 seconds is enough. So then you can see, okay, if it's a simple, I don't need longer, longer videos. So that's one thing. Then of course, I look at the hooks hook, what, what's the hook headline and what's the hook visual? Um, <clears throat> that's always important. Um, I see I, I look at the the design of the text, um, which is lately, very native, non-animated stuff because it just doesn't look like an ad. Um, And then I look at the first sentence that the creator is going to say. Sometimes it's the hook itself. Sometimes it's Mm -hmm. after the hook. That's, That's very important. I noticed that right now, a lot of brands are doing hook, product, and call to action immediately. Then they start discussing about it which is mm-hmm. kind of interesting because like they, the hook is actual benefit and call to action, like you should got to try this. And then they start talking about why. Um, that's another one. Then I look what kind of visuals are after the hook, what kind of uh, script structure they have and mm-hmm. which psychological trigger they want to push. So mm-hmm. like for um. Do they want to spark like sexual companionship or freedom from pain or whatever? Um, that's Red
1: Force that's eight you're to?
0: yeah, exactly. Um, that's good. Um, so yeah, those are the stuff. Like script structure is very important to me too. Um, when when I was uh, uh, at the agency, uh, we had like trainings every every week. Um, mm-hmm. And actually I give them instructions like you look at the ad library of this brand. I'm going to look at this brand. I'm going to look at this brand, make notes. Uh, I have like a, um, a template of Google sheet and they were like analyzing the same thing that I was talking right now. And Mm -hmm. basically then we had a call, one hour call and everyone had to present to other guys. Um, what's the, um what they what they saw and it's basically it was a shortcut for everyone because like we were like team of five so i looked at them and my own and then i listened for all, uh, one hour the other guys and they i didn't have to do the analysis by myself of those brands because they did it for me and the way opposite so now all of a sudden we analyzed like five brands per week uh mm-hmm. and, and like mm-hmm. that that was like for for four months we were doing that And then you get like a clear idea what's going on, like what's the script structure, what of creative styles. So yeah, that's one thing that everyone should do basically on like uh, at least once a week.
1: Yeah, and that's something Andrew mentioned and I wanna shout out what a smart topic that is, uh, like the cross team collaboration, even if it's within the same team, I think we mentioned on the podcast and (coughs) we work together, having people on the team who are the target customer, for example, if it's a makeup brand, you know, I'm not their target customer because I already have a perfect face, but, you know, some of, you know, maybe the project manager is a female and she wears a lot of makeup, Um, shout out Agnes. Um, She would, you know, include people, a lot of people on the team who use different, uh, who, who are the target customer or have different backgrounds or something. That's a really important point. Um, And then, yeah, that's something that if you're in an agency right now, i love the point about just getting all the different perspectives. It makes the analysis better. Um, People will just see things you'll miss. You're always thinking in your own, like, algorithm, and other people have different thinking processes. And they'll just catch things you missed, even no matter how junior or like, I'll give you like Agnes, for example, was a project manager she wasn't a marketer but she would have ideas that were extremely profitable for the client because uh, she's the target customer or she is from France and it was a product that was French or something like that was an example like you don't know what you don't know so very important point there um, so another question I saw something on you mentioned on Twitter a few times and I see it a lot a lot of people just starting out with creatives. They don't know what to do. If you say, Oh, take a video with your iPhone, they don't know what to how to start. So I saw something you see like people using post it notes and writing the hook on that, or people taking a video in their house or something. What are like, <clears throat> what are like three to five video or hook styles, you can do right now sitting in a room with an iPhone.
0: Um demonstrate the problem um then um show some spicy detail about the product like very close range camera angle your point Mm. of view style or you're walking towards the product that's on the table and then you unbox it like that's Mm -hmm. very simple one um what else let me see i have some notes i saw
1: the post-it note one on twitter so i thought that was what sparked that
0: question actually And then, and then with these post-it notes, like you can play around, then you you can level up. So it can be, let's say you have a, let's say this pouch, you see? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. in here, you can put a post-it note. So you can have like, this is, this can be a hook. Like you open it and you just take it out. Interesting. So it's a little bit different. Or... Um so you don't make just that post-it note, but you also be creative with that. Or you can one one was like we had a journal, like um, I don't care. Anyway, um so it was a, a journal and I opened the journal and in there was a post-it note, the, but then I then I blew uh, so the the um the post-it note fly away. And then I actually reversed that clip, oh, wow. so the, the posted note, flight in the um, in the yeah, in the journal, and then I closed it up. Um, so gosh. you just try to be uh, a bit creative, or um, one one can be. Let me see. I have a couple of good ones. Yeah. and um, it doesn't have to
1: make sense, which I think is the most yeah. important point. Like as long as it's something any kind of movement showing the clip in a weird way.
0: Yeah, and weird kind of camera angle. Like if you can, like one of the hooks that I'm, I'm working right now is for this dog brand. It was like how the dog sees you, you know? So it was camera angle from like very low on the ground. And like the content creator was like, come on, good boy. Go get a ball, you know. She was yelling at the camera, <laughs> yeah. and like we were now put the filter on that she's like, don't like the dog is doesn't doesn't understand, and then we will transition that I can't run my dog, my my um, joints are hurting, and then transition to oh, dog supplements for joints, you know. Nice. So, but but the hook is so weird that like I'm I'm really interested. In what what is going to be the hook ratio for that? But that's the point. Try to find first what's the problem dog pain like joint pain and how how i'm gonna now make a story about this in three seconds because yeah and and how you get inspiration basically everywhere. like i got this inspiration my wife was watching the tiktok and she saw that and she's also very creative probably more than i am um but I like I have like a lot of structures in place. So I, I get more ideas because of it. But like if if you would ask her, she would have like a couple of very good creative ideas that I wouldn't think of. Anything. That's why we work together so well. So and she actually sent me that that clip. And I just made a screenshot, sent it to my Slack, made a reminder for the next day, and I put it in my folder of screenshots. And then a couple of weeks later, I use it. So Really simple nice right and then when you're, uh, when you're thinking of ideas do you just look up the
1: niche's name in tiktok and see their top performing videos
0: um not really i mean i i sometimes i i just scroll past uh, on tiktok and just see some weird stuff and then i see mm-hmm. okay this can be useful for this brand or this is just interesting to me let me make a screenshot and then i'm going to think about all of my brands that i'm working on and if i can implement there or not so um but yeah sometimes of course i go into ads library on tiktok um there's also a, uh, a website like pps i think and mm-hmm. they have uh there you can search for tiktok ads i think um i i looked at it a little bit i still don't think it's that good because i looked at like you search by the brand and there's like four ads live and i know they are not spend they're not using just four ads because they are spending like 15k a day so you know mm-hmm. that's like either um but yeah i think also that facebook ads library is is not very accurate too like sometimes i know how many ads we are running and facebook ads library shows like 10 10 of them mm-hmm. which is
1: yeah. not interesting well, I
0: yeah. uh, I got a question. i like, do you
2: really care about um and and this is pretty, pretty generic. Like, do you really care about it, like industry competitors and like going into competitive markets? Like, well, you know, because what we see is a lot of brands just getting into niches where you know it's just so saturated, like skincare and stuff like that, and it's like really hard to find you know a different benefit or a different product use case. Um, for that point yes yeah, so, you know a, a usp for for that do you really care about that and if you know if not then like what what's your sort of strategy to to make these guys almost look like a, a first in their field or or, or just a differentiated product than something that they can go and get at like a grocery store or a mall or anything
0: like that yeah i mean that's why i always look at from all over the place not not just from that competitor because they are like you said mostly they are very similar um so you can find an inspiration for for skincare in completely different niche and or you can find a, like a inspiration for just certain segments of the video but yeah regarding angles um it's reddit like reddit is a goldmine um you can go there and like I was, I had like a brand that were selling like, I think that cream that you put on your shoulders or lower back and it has magnesium. So it's very good for uh, if if you have insomnia and it's perfect for pregnant ladies. And I was like typing Reddit insomnia pregnant ladies. And then I saw a comment. I felt like a zombie every day. I, I thought I had a hangover all the time, so wow. those quotes gave me a hook idea. Yeah, and then and then I just support those ideas with visuals, and th- that's it. So sometimes it's 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 very easy, but sometimes it's like it it takes a while. It takes a lot of work and research so you can find it.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think Reddit's really good because, like, it's when I use it for creative inspiration, it's almost like people are going for their problems to just a, anonymous other people. They're like really trying to seek advice on this one problem that they have. Which I think is really, really interesting, and like you know, Reddit, Quora, any of that. I think is, is some of the headlines that you find there, or some of the even the replies. If you look at some of the replies to that one big comment, it's like you know they have you know I you know I experienced this, and this is how I felt. It's it's such an interesting place that to go and get inspiration from. Uh, I like that you mentioned that.
1: Yeah. Really cool. Anza, this is awesome. A lot of really good actionable information and the keyword actionable, uh, everything we try to do is something that listeners can implement into their daily workflow. Mm -hmm. And you've given our listeners an absolute goldmine for that. So we really appreciate your time just talking to us today.
0: Cool. I would love to.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. Where can people find you? Um, You have a website you have, obviously you have Twitter. What's your Twitter handle?
0: uh let me see i don't know <laughs> um i know it's on to something and i know it's is. not on to mark where do you talk Where
3: do you talk the most Anze? twitter
0: yeah it's just twitter like i don't have anything else like um like twitter and referrals are like my <clears throat> source of clients right now so and mostly res- uh, referrals so that's actually a very good sign to me too but um, yeah, um, just on Twitter, like Anze D I T N. Um, yeah, but, Anze
1: um, if you just type in Anze Performance Creative in Twitter, like he'll come up. Or if you yeah. follow me on Twitter, not to just plug myself, it's just Eric Philippu. Um, follow me, then search my followers and type in Anza A N Z E. That's how you will find Anza, too. So, also follow us. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the squad. all
1: right cool all right well anza it's been an absolute pleasure we uh yeah we look forward to publishing the episode we think people are going to absolutely love it this is absolutely great thank you so much awesome
0: great
3: thank yeah. you guys good seeing you right, Andre.
2: Good one, thank you so much Anza.